0: I want to challenge you to prepare for war. Prepare for war. Last week we looked just a little bit at Ephesians chapter 6 where we start talking about war. We're going to share just a little bit there in just a minute. But I just want to challenge something to begin with because I don't know where you are. I know that probably for most of us when we think of war immediately it stirs emotions on the inside like what's happening this church is this becoming a militant church and yes i hope so but not in the way that some people might think if we're going to be militant if we're going to be determined if we're going to be forceful for the kingdom of god i wanted to be in a jesus kind of way we're not fighting against people and also i want to say this we're fighting against another kind of enemy and whenever we hear prepare for war, we are, we are tuned on the inside that we I don't want to be in a war. I don't want to have to fight. I don't want to be attacked. I want, don't want something to, to, to come against me. I don't want to have to, to fight a war. I don't want to do that. That sounds like work. Okay. But may God change our mindset and understand that if, as long as we are willing to allow the enemy to wage war on our doorstep... He will meet that challenge. He'll be glad to oblige. As long as we're allowed to let the enemy wage war inside our household, he'll be glad to come into our household and fight us there as long as we're willing to allow the enemy to get in that close and do war with our family and, and things like that, the enemy will be glad to take, take it, that opportunity on and come, come fight us that way. I'm not talking here. When I say prepare for war, I think what God wants to instill in our spirits is not the fact that we need to be prepared and on defense and waiting for the enemy to come. We need to take the war to the enemy. And I want us to start seeing and I'm praying for God to instill in our spirits that we need to start finding where the enemy has been plundering and when he's been stealing from our families and our friends and stealing from our community and stealing from our nation and stealing from the nations of the world. But that we who have been empowered and equipped by the spirit of the Lord go and take the battle to them. Prepare for war. So I posed the question there, are you Ready? know, well, I can't say that because I do know. I know somebody. I'll put it this way. Probably most of those who have gone to boot camp and learned how to be proficient with their weapon, most of them that have trained and things like that even though they are prepared and equipped they have all the equipment necessary they've got the training they've got the skills they've got their assignment and things like that I guarantee you that most of the people that are trained would rather not have to go to war Amen. I know one soldier he said I'm a soldier I, I'm, and, and he's, still, he's still a soldier I know him today he used to attend church here but he said I'm, I'm, I'm ready for war I'm ready to go but he, you know, that was his mindset and I think the Lord there's people like that but the majority of us we're not looking for a fight If we can avoid a fight at all costs, we'd rather do that, right? But the problem is, are we willing to draw back and be comfortable and be safe while the enemy is out there having a heyday and plundering and destroying and stealing life and stealing lives and and making people's lives a misery? Are you prepared for war? What would you do If the opportunity arose to make a difference, to change a situation or a circumstance, what would you do? (laughs) Let's go to that next slide, can we? I want to just touch on something because God has equipped us. Oh my goodness. There's a transition that's got to happen in the body of Christ. We've got to stop looking for the superhero. And we've got to just be willing to stand up and use what God's given us. And understand that... that that he has equipped us for a purpose. God's put us in this this earth to make some changes of things and God's looking to you. We're looking to somebody else. But God's looking to us. Are you prepared for war? What were you doing that day? Let's look at this verse. We started here last week, but I wanted us to catch this. Okay? A final word. Paul's finishing up the book of Ephesians, but he didn't want to close out the book without communicating to the Ephesian churches and the churches that were receive this book. He says, a final word. It didn't mean this was the last thing he had to say, but this is something that felt really important. He needed to get to them. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. <laughs> Whose power is it? Do you believe that God has the sufficient power to be able to overcome or do anything? Do you believe that God's ability, that his strength can overcome any work of the enemy? Amen. So when he's asking us to be strong, he's not don't think that you're strong enough, don't think that you can do this in your own strength, but in his mighty power. When we're working or walking or God's calling us or giving or commissioning us to go do something. He's not expecting us to be enough in ourselves. But it's the armament and the equipment that he's given us that makes us able to overcome. If we approach a situation and we approach it from our emotions, or we approach it from our skill level, or we approach it from our intellectual ability, if we think that we can overcome the enemy in that that type of frame of mind, that in my strength I'm going to try to overcome the enemy, we will be destroyed. But in his mighty power, we will overcome. Let's take a look at this. It's interesting, this verse, and you you can't really grasp it from, from the English, but there are really three... Words that Paul uses that are emphasizing strength, power, might and I've just been enjoying doing some study of this it's a worthy study if you want to spend some time doing it. but let's go to the next slide and understand I don't have a copy of all the slides up there so I'm hoping that when I say the next slide it's actually what I'm looking for first he starts out in be strong and that's in dynamo with the moo on the end the root word it comes from the same root word as our word dynamite When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. It's the word dynamite. It means that there is that that potential within that power to be able to accomplish and to do anything that it needed to do. The same type of word was used describing Hercules in mythology. We know we don't believe in that type of stuff, but in understanding what it's trying to communicate that supposedly the gods were empowering Hercules to be able to overcome any circumstance that he was confronted with. Well, it's that understanding of the word in the Greek language that's portrayed here that be strong, it's saying that to have the strength, and it's not our own strength, but through God, that we will have that type of strength that will be able, an excessive force, able to do much more or much uh, uh, to greatly overcome anything that we have to come up against. Paul's saying, be strong. Have that kind of power inside of you. And then it speaks of of might. A, it implies the ability or strength of forcefulness. This has more to do with not just having a stick of dynamite in your hand, but it's more like the effect of that dynamite when it actually ex- explodes. It is the, the tangible acting out of the force. It's one thing to be endued with power from God, but what do we do with it? If we've been given the power of God, but we're not utilizing that power, it's just latent potential. It's potential power. But when we've been given an excessive amount of power in the Lord, and we put it to work, and God is able to accomplish things through us, then that, that power has been, it's become that word. It's become tangible. It is the ability. We're able to accomplish it. And the last one really speaks more to the authority to be able to do things. But the word there, we talked a little bit on the word power there is kratos. From which we get the word creator. That God was able to speak things into existence. And because he spoke things into existence, he, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He has power and authority. He can dictate what happens and what goes on. He has the power, to, the power and the authority to be able to speak to circumstances and change them Why? Because he's the author. The power, the authority, everything is rooted in him. And so he's he's talking to us here. And what he actually says, go to the next slide. Would you go to the next slide? We'll get to that in just a minute. What he's actually telling us here is, be endued with more than enough power, the enablement. But then, because we've been given the authority to act on God's behalf in circumstance, situation, we represent God's kingdom. Because we've been given kingdom authority, then take that indwelling of power that we've been given with and effectively use it in whatever situation or circumstance God puts you in. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's saying, we've, not only, we've been commissioned, we've been given the power, we've been given the authority, and then go forth and act with that power. That's what we've been commissioned for. And then we come to this scripture, and uh, yes, I skipped verse 11, because just for time, it says, "But we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies." Most of us still wrestle and we are consumed with the thought of who's being hard on us or which family mayor is acting out and, and our boss is not treating us right or our employees aren't treating us right or these circumstances. We, we can all, find people all day long. Somebody cuts in front of us at the grocery store or somebody. I told you a few weeks back about that, that senior citizen at Dollar General that ran me with the cart. Why did I get ran by a cart? He thought I was cutting in line. I was trying to get the batteries. Um, (laughs) But we, you know, we can sit there all day long. We have opportunities to get upset and disgruntled at somebody around us for something. They they didn't even call me. They may not have known you were going through anything. You know, but we get offended with people. And it's so easy for us to get our focus on the individuals and the personalities and the circumstances of life. And 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 we just we can live embittered and, and negative and, and resentful. But Paul plainly stands here we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. One thing somebody offends you, you have no idea what their life has been like and what. They're fighting through themselves. What attitude has taken residence in them because of all the things that they've been through in life, how embittered they might be, or how they're reacting to us may actually be because they're so hurt that they're trying to put some kind of defensive wall and put a barrier up there. I'm afraid one more person is just going to step on my heart and break me. So I'm going to be harsh, and I'm going to be hard, and I'm going to put a strong persona out there. But we're not wrestling against those people. Look at Jesus when he's hanging on the cross after being nailed to the cross, having been fl- flogged and his back shredded. He's hanging on the cross while the people are up there laughing and accusing and making fun of him. Why did you get yourself down from there? And he looks at those people and he understands these people are my enemy. <laughs> they're, they're acting from another influence. There's something else at work here. Something has been sowing seed, and that seed has brought forth a fruit in them, but it's been going on for a long time. These people are not to blame for what's going on. And he looks and he calls out to his father and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They've been under another kind of influence. Something else has been manipulating them. And people make decisions, yes, and, and they, are, they may be at fault for their decisions. But their decisions and their actions don't determine the attitude of our heart. We are responsible for the attitude of our heart. We act in accordance with our calling. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. These circumstances and situations, people's attitudes and people's actions that come against us, yes, it may be true that we could be offended by what they've done. But I choose to act out of the strength that's been given me and I act and bring a positive influence and a good influence in this situation rather than allowing what the enemy intended to take root. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, Other versions of the Bible say it a little bit differently. Again, I'm looking at this because I'm wanting that fresh perspective. I want to wrestle with the the language. I want to dig deeper into it so I understand it more. Here's something that I want us to grasp God placed this earth in the stewardship of Adam and Eve, mankind. He put the earth in their hands and gave them dominion, He gave them authority. To be able to determine what would go on this earth. In the midst of that time in the garden, when they chose to listen to the voice of Satan in the form of the snake, instead of valuing the fellowship that they had with God, when they put that, when they chose to, to listen to, to the serpent, what they did is they opened the door of opportunity for the enemy's influence to be able to reign in the hearts of men and here in the earth. Now, let me just say this. God is still creator. God is still authority. But <clears throat> what has ended up happening is, and it happens, there are different scopes. of. The, I, need, I need to get, the, um, the enemy has been given jurisdiction in certain aspects of the earth and in certain aspects of life. Now what is jurid, jurisdiction? Jurisdiction means within this parameter, someone has been given the authority to act. They can act with authority in this jurisdiction. Um, if you turn the lights out, nobody turned the dark on. But by turning the light out, you gave jurisdiction to darkness. You understand that? And at the point where light comes back into that room or the light switched on, darkness is, ab- is abolished because the light has superior jurisdiction. Amen? Amen? We just need to take the light into the darkness because there's another jurisdiction there. You know, and I know that all the politics and everything don't work out perfectly all the time, but we have a a police force here, okay? In a police situation, if there is, and I don't really know this, so I'm asking this question. Let's say that, that somebody representing the SBI, the State Bureau of Investigation, steps into a crime scene, who has jurisdiction? Is it the local police or the SBI, State Bureau of Investigation? Why? Because their jurisdiction, their authority is greater than the local local authority. What happens in a similar situation if the SBI is there and all of a sudden the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, step in? Who takes precedence? Okay. Look, what I'm trying to get away, and I want us to get out of the politics of it. Don't think about it on the politics side of it. But reality is there are superior jurisdictions. But until a superior jurisdiction steps in and takes control of the situation, then that lesser jurisdiction stays in power, sometimes only because of the fact that a higher jurisdiction or a higher authority has not, it has not yet been exerted. when Jesus gave the commission go into all the world what he was doing was authorizing the body of Christ to step into jurisdiction because with that kratos that we had up there where we've been given power we've been given authority the creator of this earth has spoken to us and empowered us for works of service in the earth he's called us to go out there into the world and shed the light of Christ and to dispel darkness to break the power of the enemy We've been given authority. But the thing that I've wrestled with on the inside is the fact that what the enemy has done, he's come to our doorstep and followed us at our doorstep and we lock the door and close the door. Our churches, we lock the doors and close the doors and as long as we're okay on the inside, we're okay with whatever goes on out there. And we have circled the wagons. We've drawn ourselves back And because we felt safe and as long as everything was going to be all right with me, as long as I didn't get too sick or my family members didn't get too sick or maybe it didn't affect me too badly, then, well, just let the world do what the world does. Does that feel like the heart of Jesus to you? What about a Jesus who would leave his throne in heaven and come down and walk the dusty streets of a Middle Eastern country and get in there and have to deal with the mass of the crowds and and people pressing on him and everything like that. What what about that? What parameter? What wall are we willing to put up there? What distance are we willing to go to be able to reach people with Jesus? How far are we willing to go to be able to reach the lost? I tell you what, there's something that's stirring in my heart for our congregation. Folks, the Lord wants to do more than this. The Lord wants to do more than the parameters of this land. I was out yesterday walking around here. I'd been spraying, and I got through spraying, and I had time on my hands. I just walked around and prayed. But this is not all that God wants to do. God's given us jurisdiction to go out there into this world. I I, I I wish I could even voice everything that's inside of me, but I don't just see, thirty three, thirty eight Corbett Avenue. I don't just see Wilson. I don't just see North Carolina. I see nations. I see people being commissioned to go. I want missionaries to go for ministers to be raised up, and for people in their workplaces, in their trades, and in. For God to infuse us with his mighty power and then send us, Lord. Send us, Lord. Send us, Lord, Lord and make us effective in destroying the works of the enemy. There's some things that we haven't understood about the principalities and the powers, these, these forces that have been allowed to have dominion over certain areas and over certain countries and over certain people groups. And people mass themselves together in different kind of ways from gangs to... There's all kinds of groupings of people that have come together together under a fellowship of sorts. When really all it is is they're being controlled by a spiritual entity that maybe in, with regards to their understanding, it may just be an ideal or uh, something that they choose to value or not value or maybe it's a defensive thing where they're thinking that, you know, we've got to protect ourselves from other people and they don't realize that they're being held together by an attitude that's being spawned by a spiritual entity. But God can break through those things and set those people free. There are companies today that are more powerful than nations. Nations. So we need to understand that jurisdictions and principalities and powers don't just work in localities and don't just work in nations, but they work through entities that are in place. And behind those things, there is a force and an intent to be able to do certain things. We need to discern it by the Spirit and understand that it doesn't matter what it is, God's given us authority. I sure am shouting a lot today, aren't I? It's in me. There's a there's a, a verse in Ephesians 3 and 10, and, and read it in different versions, but in, in the New Living Translation, it says, For God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When you read it in some of the other versions, it's really powerful. It seems like that God is taking the church and using us as a force in the earth to educate principalities and powers of his power and authority. That we step into a situation that may be that there's been a principality or power that's been reigning over that area, the mindsets of people have been caught up in a certain thing, but the power of God steps in through us. God gives a display of who he is through his children, and when we step in that place, all of a sudden, what had established that principality vow just begins to unravel because the lie behind it is destroyed and we're educating in a heavenly realm beyond just what we're communicating with people. There's something going on in the spirit realm because the light of Christ has come into that place. Oh my goodness gracious. Jesus, it's 12 o'clock. I can't go. We'll be here for a long time. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 10. Y'all ought to read 2 Corinthians, read 2 Corinthians 10 out of the New, the New Living Translation. Oh, my goodness. Look, it's, this, is, this is how it says Look, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Yes, yes. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them how to obey Christ. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. Isn't that refreshing? Yes. So I will not be ashamed Of using my authority, Paul says, "I will not be ashamed of using my authority because I'm not here to tear you down. I'm here to build you up." Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord! What what a refreshing view! (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask you something. I want to go on. Are you okay? Yeah. Will you give me a little bit of time to go on? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you complete freedom. If you need to leave, feel free to leave. But I don't want to miss this. And I don't want to be selfish either, but I don't want to miss this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 14. I will try to be as quick as possible. And one of the best things that I can do is this starts out with some of the, a whole bunch of names. And I'm just going to skip the names. How about that? I, I can even summarize. So, at Genesis chapter fourteen. Look at. Let's start with verse one. There's a war that broke out. That name's hard. That name's hard. Kordalomar. How would you say that word? Kord, huh? Kedor Kedor Laomer. Keduleomer. Yes, I've said it several times. I get happy with it, and then I just, after a while. Leomer. Okay, there are, there, are, there are four kings. How about that? In, the, in verse 2, go to verse 2. There are these other kings. There are five other kings, and we're going to find out that, that they end up coming into the conflict together. I'll explain that in just a little bit. But I want men, you see this one here that I forgot how it said, king, you Remember? I wanted to stop and mention that because I couldn't pass it up. Men, look—if you promise your wife something and you don't forget it, okay? Because because she member. Right? So had to do that. Don't forget. So here's what's going on. Let me give you a summary of what's going on right here. You've got basically four kings from the region of Turkey, Iraq, and Iran. Isn't that interesting? From the regions of Turkey, Iraq, and Iran they have been suppressing and had under their power some other territories which were basically in the area of Israel and the surrounding nations. Those nations have been suppressed. Five kings, those five kings who were in the, in, the, in the area, including Israel, decided at the valley of the Dead Sea that they had had enough because for 12 years they had been subject to King Kedor, Laomer, King Laomer, okay. So a year thirteen, they rebelled. We're not having it anymore. So they rebelled. They've been suppressed for, for twelve years. King Laomer waited a year before he did anything, and then he allied himself, allowed himself with those three other kings. So the four kings that were from Turkey, Iraq, and Iran came and they waged war against the other five nations and the territories around there. And they were just wrecking havoc and they were stealing and killing and plundering and taking things away. And I just want to say something. Let's get this in the spiritual realm here. The land that had been promised to Israel to Abraham, it was still occupied by nations that weren't serving God. It had been decreed that judgment was coming on them because they were sinful and wicked. Okay? In the midst of this land, this is a land where, where Abraham but it was Abram at this time Abram was living with his family Abram was living in the midst of the wickedness that was going on but he had not aligned himself with that wickedness and so when the judgment came Abram was not included in that battle and in that that, that, uh, in that judgment that, that came however Lot his nephew not only did he live in that land but he had al- aligned himself and decided that he was going to go to Sodom And he moved right there alongside Sodom that we all know was a wicked city. And so when judgment came there, his family was caught up with it and were carried away. And Lot and all of his possessions and his family were carried away and and taken captive. But Abram was, was kept from that, even though judgment had come to the area. It says in verse 11 that the victorious raiders... Uh, then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food and supplies. They also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Think about families around you that are being plundered by the enemy. The enemy not only has taken control of that household, but he's plundering everything that they have. Carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped, and the word got to Abram. I'm going to skip on down. Let's put verse 14 up there. We've got it. Okay. Y'all are on it. Okay. Look at this. Let me give you just a precursor of this. This is where we're walking right here, okay? This is where we're we're the people of promise. Abram, God's intending to accomplish something through us. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born in his household. Let me just say something, folks. It is not sufficient for us as those called by God to be willing to only fight the battle when it comes to us. God did not equip us solely for a defensive battle. As long as my family and I are okay, I'm okay. My neighbor's right next door to me, and their household's being plundered. I've got a family member and their household's being plundered. But as long as I'm okay, bless their hearts. I pray to God to bless them. Lord Jesus, help them. I'm just going to leave a little space there because they sure do have a mess over there. I don't want to be a part of that. It's not okay to just see what the devil's doing and the, the wreck, the, the, the havoc that he's wrecking in people's lives and just say, well, as long as I'm okay, I've got my ticket, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. It's not okay. There, sh- there should be something that resonates inside of us and calls us to do something about it. And I like the fact that it says here that he mobilized. He took action. He didn't just talk about what was going on. Just say, bless their hearts. Isn't it sad what's going on over there? Did you hear what happened a lot? My goodness, my poor nephew. He got carried off. Isn't that a shame? And you feel like you've done your duty because you've been sympathetic or empathetic. You've, you've blessed their heart. I'm so sorry. Jesus, help them. Jesus said, I did. I gave you power and authority to act in the earth. What are we going to do with it? Abram mobilized. I love the fact that it said that he had 318 trained, prepared, equipped people in his household. They had been raised up in his household. They had been raised up in this house. They had been raised up in the connect groups where people have been getting together and spending time in fellowship with the Lord and breaking open the bread of life. They'd been mobilized. They were equipped and they're mobilized. And they went out to do battle. They were not content to see the enemy plunder their neighbors and their family members and the people around them. And he pursued Kedleomer, I said it pretty good. Kedra Laomer's army until he caught them at Dan. I can't get into Dan and anything like that, but I just want to say we can't be... We can't, we, at what point do we get so adamant that we will refuse to allow the enemy to rule and to reign and to dominate and to destroy? At what point does enough become enough? I tell you what, a few weeks ago, And I know the battle wasn't over, but when Dan and Anna's family again had that sickness that Friday night, God wouldn't allow me to let it go. And I can't say it was all me. It's not my. But I know this, that I prayed. And I prayed, and I felt a fervency and a determination. I couldn't let go of it. I prayed all the way from here home, and I prayed when I got to the house, and when I was trying to go to sleep at night, God still had me praying, and I got up the next morning, and I wanted to hear what's going on, what's going on. And I, I, I don't take the, I'm not trying to take the credit for that, but I just I appreciate God. Give me that kind of fervency, not just for your household, but for every other household. What about all these people? Are we just going to allow the enemy to run off with them and steal and rob and destroy? God's given us authority to step up and make a difference. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the next, next slide. When it came time for battle, I thank the Lord that God gives us strategies for battle. It says that he divided his men, and there's not a whole lot of, of something for me to, to, to dig into that except for the fact that there was a strategy. God gave them a plan on how to overcome. And if we pray and ask God for direction, God will give us an idea. God will give us a thought. God will give us direction in how to demolish the strongholds of the enemy and how to how we're supposed to work in this situation. Lord, God will give you an answer. In this situation, God told them to divide his men when they went into battle. And they attacked during the night. They attacked at a time when you wouldn't think that it would be advantageous to attack. But what's amazing to me that you've had an army that's been running around all through this nation plundering and taking things and, and stealing and destroying and God sent 118 men plus one, Abram, and destroyed that, that army. It says that Abram, it said 318. What did I say? 100? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I'm stuck on that somehow. 318 plus, plus Abram. kedol Laomer's Leomer, army fled. Sometimes all the enemy needs is just some opposition, but as long as there's no opposition, he's just going to do whatever. But when we step in, not just because we're Ben, or we're Carla, or you know, we're Chris, or not just because we're coming in our name, but we're coming in the name of the Lord, Amen. the enemy will flee yeah. in Jesus' name. He said, and I love this part, catch this, Abraham chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. Wait, y'all know where that is, right? No, I'm just playing. The, the reason why that's significant is because you see that Abraham chased them completely out of the territory that was going to be his. Remove them from the promised land. Chase them. Chase them out. And Abram recovered all of the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with part of his possessions. He recovered it all. They recovered it all
1: we're not allowing the
0: enemy to get away with someone. We're recovering it all, bringing back all of his possessions and all of the women and all of the other other captives. They took possession of it all. What a good word. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's go to the next scripture. There's something we need to get a hold of. I want you to see this and then I promise. Okay, I know I'm going long. It's 12 minutes after. After Abram returned from his victory. Of Kedar Laomer, sorry, and all of his allies, the king of Sodom, catch this, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley. Go on to verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Sodom, wicked city, Melchizedek, king of so- Sodom, Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is peace, and he's also a priest of the Most High. Of God most high. So both the king of Sodom. You just had a great victory. There's an enticement. We want to give you praise and adoration. We want to give you. We want to give you glory. We want to do something with you. And over here is peace. And what did peace. And the priest of the most high offer. Bread and wine. What does that sound like. Communion. Fellowship. The breaking of bread. The wine. So he's got two different things that are brought here. Now, Abram participated with the bread and the wine and the fellowship with Melchizedek. Go to the next slide. Melchizedek turned. And Melchizedek, a lot of times in Scripture, talks about him being a type of Christ, a type of Christ. It says, but Melchizedek blessed Abram with a blessing. He said, listen to what he said, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. That's that authority, that jurisdiction, the creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high who has defeated your enemies for you. What did Abram do? Abram turned around and here he is. He's just won a victory. But he turned around and he blessed Melchizedek with a tenth of all that he had. His heart was in the right place. He wasn't being the big superhero. I'm the conqueror. I'm the big person. You know, Why don't you elect me president? You know? He came with a heart and said, look, you know, God's to be praised in this. Here, I'm going to give a tenth. I'm gonna, I want to bless. Go to the next slide. Sodom. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give back my people, still wanting to have control over the people. Give back my people, but you may keep for yourself all the goods. You could look, if you'll just be in fellowship with us, you could have all of this. You can have all of this stuff. You can have all the fame and all the glory. You can have all the wealth. You can have all the pleasures your heart desires. Just I want want to keep the people. I want to keep control over the people. Look at what Abram's response is. Abram replied to the king of Sodom. He said, I solemnly swear to the Lord to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth. See, he understood the scope of the authority of the Lord. He wasn't serving a little God. He wasn't serving, looking for man's acclaim or man's adulation. He wasn't looking for, for, for man's glory. He said, I solemnly swear to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much of a single thread of a sandal thong for what belongs to you. I don't want a part of it. I don't want a part of what you have. I don't want any kind of glory. I don't want any kind of acclaim. I don't want your praise. I don't want to be your American idol. (laughs) I don't want to be your sodomitum. I don't want want to be anything of that. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abraham rich. Let me tell you, there are certain relationships out there that they may look favorable, but they always come with snares. And, it, and I'm telling you, when it comes to walking in authority and moving in the power of God, when the authority and power of God, when healing is manifest, when words of wisdom come, when, when God moves you into those type of uh, power, gifts, and anointings, there is always an attempt to receive glory from man and to, to settle for the praise of man. We have to make sure that our attitude is in the right place. And we look and we say, look, this victory really has very little to do with me. But there is a God and king over all the earth. He's the one who gives deserved glory. I may be celebrating because God used me in the victory, but I need to tie it to him. He's the one who really deserves the glory here. He's the one who accomplished it. And so I'm speaking this to all of us on purpose because... There are victories that are coming. Yes. There are strongholds to be demolished that will be demolished. There are strongholds that will fall. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. God will raise up mighty men and women to work mighty acts of God through this congregation, through the body of Christ, so be it, so be it, around the world. But in every victory, there will be the, the, the opportunity to decide whether or not we allow the enemy's entrapment to where we choose to settle for the glory of man and man's praise, whether we choose to give the glory where it really needs to go. So, you know, taking our names and putting them up in lights and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, instead of saying, look at him, he's the source, he's the supply. He is the one who loved you. He is the one that gave the power to deliver you. And he will keep you free. Let's prepare for war. Let's take the battle to the enemy's gates. Amen. Would you stand with me? I know that there are a lot of different levels of understanding, a lot of different experiences that the different ones here have been through. So when I speak about this, for some people it might be, oh my goodness, I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to do that. I hope that there's something that leaps on the inside that says, I'd like to know more. And some of you, God has used you in mighty ways for many years. Understand the victory can be as simple as a word. That weapon that God uses may be an act of kindness. It may be a confrontation. It may be speaking to a a civil or civic leader. It may be speaking to a boss or a worker. But God will give the strategy. So let's just, as we pray right now, can we make our own personal commitment to the Lord and just say, Lord, here I am. Would you use me? I want to be a part of this. Don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to be a part of this? The first place is just to commit ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, there's one thing that seems to be common in Scripture when people really come into your presence, they have an encounter with you face-to-face, your Lord, man humbles himself before the Almighty. God, I know that, that Scripture lets us know that we have the right to come boldly into your presence, your God, but I humble myself right now, Lord. I thank you, your Lord, for what you are wanting to instill into our hearts and our lives. God, it's a challenge. Lord, some here may feel ill-equipped. Some here may be having a, hearing a rallying cry in their spirit saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. But, Lord, I pray for every one of us, God, no matter what our level of maturity, no matter what our experience is, Lord, that we would understand that the safest we will ever be is when we're right hand in step with what you're wanting to do. And So, God, we can offer ourselves knowing that, Holy Spirit, you're a gentleman. Lord, uh, you will never ask us to do something that we are not equipped to face. God, help us to choose rightly with regards to attitudes and actions. And God, help us not to be a bulldozer that brings destruction to your God, but something that sometimes has to clear the field, but the intent is to be able to build something good. This authority we've been, been giving is for building up. So God, would you use us? Lord, Ignite the fuse on that dynamite. Dear Lord, let us accomplish the things that you've purposed and planned, Lord. So here, God, the Scripture says you look to and fro. You look all over the earth trying to find people that will, will, will be, make themselves available to you. Well, here we are, Lord, and we want to join arms and elbows and hands with people all around this city and this area, your God, of like mind and light heart that are serving you. God, we want to, together to be an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. Lord, we'll give you all the praise and the glory. So be it. Amen and amen. Amen. Glory to the Lord.